The scripture this morning is from the book of Psalms, chapter 2. Hear the word of the Lord. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with the rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead you to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. This is God's word. Good morning, everybody. I'm really glad to be with you. It's always a great pleasure to come. And um, I know your pastors, I know your staff, and I know what you do here in this church. And you, if you don't realize it, this is an unusual church. Do you know that? In a good sense. Do you know that? Okay. But you also, I'm sure you know what I'm about to say, and that is that these have been very unusual times for us. Yes? Yeah. Take a deep breath here. Yeah. Um, I bring you greetings from the free state of Florida, <laughs> okay, where we have um, been maskless for quite a while. It's not been that dramatic in Florida as it has in many other places, and um, I'm grateful to live in Florida, but at the same time, I realize that it's been hard. It has been hard on many in Florida, but also around the country and around the world. And what's going to happen right now in our day is we're finally beginning to breathe a sigh of relief. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but if you've been in an airport recently, the crowds are back. Okay, so people are traveling and things like that. But have you also noticed all the news reports about anger on the airplanes? Yeah, okay. You see, as soon as you go through a time that we've been going through and you start feeling a little bit like, okay, I'm able to get out, I'm able to breathe again, I'm able to live life again, all that's been pent up inside of you starts bursting forth. Now, you may not even realize it's happening to you, but today I can tell you this, that both secular and Christian counseling centers are just jam-packed full of people. People are going for marriage counseling, for personal counseling, and larger numbers than ever before in this country, and it's because we're beginning to feel like things have been so crazy, and we're able actually to say it now. We're not in the survival mode anymore. We're just sort of trying to break out again, and now we're realizing all the damage that has come to us because of all the troubles, the pandemic, the economy, politics, war, you name it. We've been facing it. Well, in many respects, Psalm 2 is an appropriate psalm to look at because it's dealing with a time in the life of ancient Israel, in the Bible, when there were troubles sort of like what we face today. 
Now, to understand what's happening in Psalm 2, I need to sort of take you back in a time machine and remind you of some things about Old Testament days. There's a king that God ordained, and it's to be the king not only of Israel, but for his line, for his dynasty, to one day be the rulers over the entire world. And that king's name was David. But as David died and passed his throne on to others, like Solomon, and then he to his sons, and he to his sons, there was often a time of transition between one king and another. And of course, David and Israel, as they grew, that meant that many times what they did is they incorporated other tribes and other smaller nations into their boundaries, and they were growing, and they were spreading God's blessings to these other nations. But when a transition would take place between one king and another, it was often a very tumultuous time because the people in these other countries said, this is our chance. This is our chance to defy everything that Israel told us about God and about his laws and about the way of good life and wholesome life. This is our chance to be free. That's why these early verses in the Psalms speak of, for example, in verse 3, let us break their bands, they cried. Let us cast their cords away. We want freedom from the God of Israel. We want freedom from the son of David. We want to be our own people, have our own ways, our own religion. Sound like America today? We live in a day of tumult. We live in a day of agitation. And for some of us, it's gotten to the point where we wonder, what country am I even living in? Where the most fundamental, I mean sort of simple, common sense sorts of things that we used to understand in common and hold in common with everyone in the country have been turned upside down. Have you noticed that? That right is left now, that up is down now. It's like inside is outside now. And you're going, what in the world has happened? What is going on? Well, add that change and add that tumult to all the anxiety and the pain and the trouble and the struggles that come with the pandemic, as well as the threats of international conflict that are at our door every single moment of every day. And you've got a mess on your hands, a lot like what Israel was facing. We just want to live our own lives. Thank you very much. You can keep God's word to yourself. You can keep your kingship away from us. We just want to live for ourselves the way we want to get out of our way. And so the king of Israel gathered ambassadors from these little nations. That's the scene in Psalm 2. Ambassadors have come to talk with him about how they might be able to be free of this rule of God. And so... They bring their troubles and they say, the first thing the king says to the group is, why are the nations raging? Why are they making these plots? Why are you doing all these ridiculous things? Why are you saying, cast off these shackles that you've put on us? We're not putting shackles on you. We're helping you. We're showing you the way of life, the way of blessing from God. But they didn't want it. And then after verse 3, beginning in verse 4 and going all the way down to around verse 9 or 10, the psalm turns toward what God says to these ambassadors who are representing these other little nations. And it's really very straightforward what he says to them. The first thing he says, look again at verse, five, at verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Now, here's what's happening. 
the picture shifts from what's happening in that room where the king is with all these ambassadors who are complaining, we want freedom, we want freedom to go our own way. And then it shifts up to heaven. And God is sitting on his throne in heaven, and he's looking down at the earth like this, and he just kind of goes, <laughs> those silly people. They think they can actually overturn the whole earth. I mean, have you noticed that that is actually what people are saying? They're actually saying it in your neighborhood. It's not just far away, but even in a nation that has had the blessing of the influence of Christianity, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your schoolroom, in your store, in your beauty salon, in your barbershop, they're saying, we want to be free from all this Christian stuff. We want to live our own lives and fulfill our own perfect dreams, and we're going to turn the world upside down. Just you watch us. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that the God of heaven and earth sits in heaven and he looks down and says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're just little tiny little pots of clay, aren't you? You're just down here on this earth for a few years and you think you're going to turn everything upside down? God sits in heaven and looks down and laughs. And this is what the psalmist is saying to us today. God still reigns on his throne and he will never fall off from his throne. I have seen Christian people allow themselves to fall into the same traps that are happening out there that are placed all around us out in the world. In fact, during COVID, I have over the months begun to be asked to come and preach in different churches, and I'll always ask the pastor if I'm asked to come, I'll say, well, what do you want me to preach about? What's going on? Because I'm not there to preach what I want to preach. I want to serve you. And so I can tell you this, the last eight churches that I've preached in, and they've been in different denominations and different parts of the country, the same theme has always come up. The pastor says, my church is falling apart. Why is your church falling apart? Because it's dividing over the same lines, over the same issues that American culture is dividing over. Politics, basic morality, things like that. You know, in some respects, silly things that are, the world is angry at itself and eating itself alive, and Christians can fall into that trap too. Because there's a tendency when you go through times of tension and you go through times of anxiety and trauma like we have gone there's a tendency to go to two extremes one extreme is you get so depressed you can't even get out of bed in the morning the other extreme is you go to anger so you're mad at everybody for not being as angry as you are about all the things you believe you with me on that i mean when my wife and i watch the news this is what happens in our home I sit in my chair and I'm watching the news and I sink deeper and deeper and deeper in my chair in depression over what I'm watching and every breaking news report. Have you noticed there's just not one single breaking news report that's a happy story? It's also an, always another trauma, another issue, another impossible mountain to climb and I just get depressed. Now my wife, when she's watching the same news, what she'll do is she'll start talking to the TV usually starts off pretty calm at first, but by the time the show's over, man, she is yelling at the TV. And uh, I, I turn it off pretty quickly now. I've learned to turn it off because I'm afraid she's going to take her shoe and throw it to the TV and we'll have to buy a new one. 
I don't want to buy a new TV. Thank you very much. But people react that way. Some of us react by just sort of getting forlorn and hopeless. There's no way out, nothing any good. And the rest of us respond by becoming angrier and angrier at the world around us. And we even become angry at our brothers and sisters in Christ who don't have the same level of anger that we have. Brothers and sisters, this cannot be. And the reason it cannot be for us is because we understand that the God of heaven and earth is on his throne and he will never fall off from his throne. None of this has surprised him in the least. Nothing you have gone through has been a surprise to the king of the universe. Nothing. Now, some of you have gone through horrible times. I know you have. You've lost jobs. Maybe you've lost friends to the disease. Maybe you've lost loved ones to the disease. Maybe you've gone through the trauma of having a very serious case of COVID. I have lost friends, very close friends. I have gone through COVID, and I had a very relatively serious bout with it. So I understand how you just go, man, the world is falling apart. And I understand how that kind of builds up in you, either making you forlorn or making you angry about the other things that are out there. Brothers and sisters, this cannot exist among us because we know something. We know that our God was not surprised by one single thing that has happened. Now, these words are being said at a time when the sons of David well, many of them were just bums, to tell you the truth. Okay, they didn't do a very good job, let's put it that way. And what the Lord told the house of David was this, if you'll serve me faithfully, I'll bless Israel, and I'll even expand your borders further if you'll just do that. But many of them did not serve the Lord faithfully, and he warned them that if you don't, I'll take you off of your throne. In fact, we know that that happened many times because the kings of Israel, those sons of David, weren't perfect people. It was so bad at one point that God sent Israel out of the land of promise. He sent them without a king. He sent them without a temple, away from all things that were good for 500 years. How long? 500 years. This country has not even existed for 500 years. He sent them away from all those good things, all those hopeful things, and left them with one thing and only one thing to hold on to. And that was his promise that one day he will end it. One day he will make all things new. The word of his prophets who said, one day my kingdom will come to this earth as it is in heaven. That's all they had to hope in. Just the simple message of good news that one day all these trials will be over. Okay, that's the way it was for people in Old Testament days. But look at us. We know the one who came 500 years later. We know the one who came, who was a son of David, and who did not mess things up. His name is Jesus. We know the son of David who perfectly obeyed the Father on the throne in heaven. He obeyed him even through a life of suffering from beginning to end. He obeyed him all the way up to going to the cross to die for our sins, voluntarily doing this on our behalf, not because he had any problems, not because he had any sins, but because he wanted us to be involved in this new world he was going to make. And so he poured out his blood so we could have his righteousness. 
And then as his reward, it's unbelievable. It's, un, it's just fantastic what happened to Jesus. As his reward, he was given all authority in heaven and earth. Before Jesus left this earth and went to heaven, he said to his disciples this. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Do you know what that meant? That meant, I'm all that. I was that good. You can count on me. I made it through the test. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And don't worry, I'll be with you right up to the end. That was the promise that Jesus gave. That's where we are. We don't live in the Old Testament days when it was still questionable whether the house of David would succeed or not. We live in the New Testament age where Jesus has already come and already accomplished so much through his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And we know one day he will come back and make all things new. The whole world into the kingdom of God as it is in heaven right now. You know, I think it's time for us to start proclaiming that message in a vigorous and a very powerful way. I'm utterly convinced of this, that for too long we Christians have been sort of, I don't guess we say, humble about all of this and trying to say just as little as we can get away with. And in some ways what we've done is we've actually tried to make the good news about Jesus something that people can believe in very easily. And so we tell them things like this. If you'll just come to Jesus, well, then Jesus will forgive you of your sins and make you feel better about yourself and about your relationship with God, and maybe he'll help your family a little bit, and that'll be a great thing, right? Right. So, okay, let's pray a prayer and come to Jesus. Well, that's okay. That's fine. But it's way too small for what Jesus is doing. It's time for us to tell the world what Jesus is actually doing, and it's this. He is the one who's going to fix everything. Everything. Now, there still is a, a religion in this world that believes that God is one day going to fix the whole world. Not yours, mind you, but there is one. There is still a religion that believes that the servants of God ought to be proclaiming that boldly, without exception, without any embarrassment, without any fear, that God is going to turn the world into a new creation. It's not yours, but there is a religion that still does that. There's a religion that believes that the servants of God ought to be willing to sacrifice for that, ought to be willing to even die for that. It's not yours, but there is a religion that still does that. Now, they've got the wrong prophet. They've got the wrong book. And they've got the wrong God. We have the right prophet. His name is Jesus. We've got the right book, the scriptures of Israel. We have the right God, the God of Abraham, yes, but also the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and the God of David and the God of Jesus of Nazareth. And it's time for us to realize that the message we bear is not simply that Jesus can help you out on a sort of emotional and psychological level, or on a moral level, a personal moral level, but rather that Jesus has come to make all things new. 
Just imagine what would happen if you're sitting in the barber shop or you're in the hair salon and somebody starts complaining about all the politics that are going on. And rather than joining in the complaints, you say, you know something? I know the person's going to fix all of this. There's only one that can do it. And I know who he is. I know his name. And they say, who is that? And you say, Jesus. Imagine the shock that would go through the room. Imagine that. But that is what we believe. That is what we hope. That is our dream. That is why we came to Jesus, and that is why we continue to serve him, and we will serve him even through the greatest trials that ever come our way. It's because we know that one day our King Jesus will make all things new. He sits on the throne of his father David. He is the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. That is what the psalmist was proclaiming in his day, and that is what we proclaim today. Live that way, and the trivia of politics will seem like what they are, trivia. So this is what God says in response to these people that are rebelling against the house of David back in those Old Testament days. That's what God says. I'm on the throne. Can't knock me off. It's no problem for me. You go ahead and make your fuss, but I'll still carry out my will, not yours. But then there's a conclusion, because what happens is the psalmist turns to all these ambassadors that are there. And he says, now let me tell you what the conclusion you should draw from all of this is. It begins in verse 10, and he says, Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Celebrate his rule with trembling. And then verse 12, kiss his son. Kiss his son. And the ceremony was literally that, that they were to come forward on cue and swear their allegiance to the new son of David on the throne, the son of God on the throne, and they were to swear their allegiance to him and in humility bow before him and kiss his feet. You see, that's the call. That's the call of the Christian faith. If you want to be a part of a kingdom that will not fail rather than this struggling kingdom of the world that we see around us, if you want to be a part of a kingdom that will bring peace to the world and bring honor to human beings rather than the world around us that wants nothing more than to tear it apart than to destroy it and to bring indignity to human beings, then come to Jesus, bow before him, give your life to him, and you will have a piece of that kingdom. What more could you want than that? So as you deal with the struggles that you're having, and maybe they're just beginning to pop up, wives, tell your husband that he's a grouch. Okay, tell him. You're too grouchy. It's going to be okay. Jesus is going to fix this. Just tell him. Because he's depressed. That's what all that anger is about, by the way, if you were wondering. Tell him to put his shoe back on, not to throw it through the TV, and understand that he's called to kiss the son's feet and to serve the king of the world and not to worry about the things that are going on so much. Oh, sure, do the right thing, vote the right ways, even campaign if you want to, but don't get all fired up about it. Remember that it's the king of David, the son of David, the king of Israel, the king of the world that we serve. And as we struggle with the aftermath of this time, and we begin to see those things coming out in our lives one way or the other, 
it's time for us to renew our pledge to the king. Just like those ambassadors were called to come forward and to renew their loyalty to the king of Israel, we are called to come forward and renew our allegiance to the king of Israel, our savior, Jesus. That's good news, you know. It's something to believe in. It's an anchor that can get you through every struggle you have. Our King Jesus. He reigns and he will reign forever. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, how we delight in you, how we honor you. You're so good to us. We are so grateful that we have a son of David who was perfect in every way and given the reward of kingship over all things. We bow before you now. We bow before you. And we say we trust you to take care of our health needs. We trust you to take care of our families. We trust you to take care of our nation. We trust you to take care of the world. And though the world be turned upside down, we confess that you are the king, you are in control, and that you will make all things new. How we adore you and how we give our lives to you and to your kingdom. Amen.